Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Kathy Kay, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, March 26, 2014. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are on page 38, the very last paragraph that begins, Some of You Are Thinking. Today's readers are, um, I guess we'll have Laurie on the 12 Steps, Bonnie P. on the Traditions, and our readers of the texts are Debbie R., Helena, and Michelle H. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. Uh, We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. I also want to mention that the reference number for yesterday, Tuesday, March 25th, is 6090. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Laura to read the 12 steps. Thank you, Kathy. Good morning. This is Laura W., recovered in South Jersey. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Pass. Uh, Thank you, Laura. I will now ask Bonnie P. to read the 12 Traditions. I'm Bonnie P., a compulsive reader from California. The 12 Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, 
a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related faculty or outside enterprise, least problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA, as such, ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media or communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Bonnie P. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, <coughs> Excuse me, and that you keep your sharing to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers, it's six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does require that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing about the directions, what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page 38, the last paragraph that begins, Some of You Are Thinking. We are going to revisit this paragraph um, because of its importance. Um, so I will ask uh, Deborah R. to begin reading for us. Star one, Deborah. Deborah, are you there? Yes, but the cell phone wants a deep press. Yes. Good morning, fellows. This is Deborah R., recovered compulsive overeater. Some of you are thinking, yes. What? You tell us is true, but it doesn't apply fully. We admitted we have some of these symptoms, but we have not gone to the extremes you fellows did. 
nor are we likely to, for we understand ourselves so well after what you have told us that such things cannot happen again. We have not lost everything in life through drinking, and we certainly do not intend to. Thank you, or thanks for the information. And that is definitely... Thanks for the breeze through. I'll, um, and actually, I told myself the first, my very first meeting, I will never forget. I will buy this big book and read it in about six weeks, write my own dissertation, and I'll be done with you. And here it is 31 years later. I definitely did not think that I needed to ask someone for guidance, um, that I was intellectually smart enough to figure this out by myself. It was in a book. Uh, I'll just study it and leave me alone. And I, too, found that, you know, the unaided will um, just couldn't make it. And I am very grateful. I was told to keep coming back to meetings so I could begin to crack that hard shell of um, selfishness and self-centeredness. It is, um, you know, again, I rationalize I'm not that bad. I'm not as bad as that. Um, And I haven't lost everything. And, again, the denial and the ego continued to persuade me I didn't need this. And the food, as promised, continued to get worse and worse until I finally surrendered, and um, it was a stage I had to go through. Thank you very much. I'm not ready, and there's no way am I going to ask anybody to help until I surrendered and allowed someone to guide me. I didn't find any peace until I worked the steps and put the food down, and I passed. Thank you. Thank you, Deborah. Who would like to share on this paragraph? This is Sarah. Can I share? Yes, Sarah. Go ahead. Uh, we admit we have some of these symptoms, but we have not gone to the extremes you fellow did. You fellows did, nor are we likely to, for we understand ourselves so well after what you have told us that such things cannot happen again. We have not lost everything in life through drinking, and we certainly do not intend to. Thanks for the information. That's where I was at. That's where I'm at. Um, But I've come to recognize that cannot, even if that's true, still can't run life and certainly run the life that of recovery of a fully God-centered life on my own. So... Here I am, I'm back, and surrendered to the truth that a life run on self-will can hardly be a God-centered life at all. So here I am, I'm back, and um, thanks for being here. With that, I pass. Thank you, Sarah. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? Uh, This is Kathy I'll take a turn. Um, I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, this 
uh, phrase, we have not gone to the extremes you fellows did, nor are we likely to, has been uh, such uh, a barrier to my surrendering and really getting serious about my recovery. Um, when I first walked into the rooms of OA over 20 years ago, I honestly thought um, I didn't have a big problem. Um, I just had a little bit of weight to lose, and I was diabetic, and everybody was concerned that I was killing myself the way I ate. Um, of course, I was in deep denial about it. And because I didn't have a lot of weight to lose, I assumed I didn't have as big a problem as others. And it took me um, many years of slipping and sliding, many years of uh, anxiety and depression, and many years of listening to others so that I could finally begin to identify in uh, that I, and then I became willing. Um, but I have to say, I had such a chip on my shoulder when I first came in, and um, those first 10, 12 years, um, I was just running around in circles, getting nowhere. Um, and it's only since working the steps thoroughly that I now know um, I couldn't even imagine before the life I would have in recovery. Um, and since I hadn't lost everything uh, and was basically from the outside, I looked like I was living a pretty good life, um, it was really hard for me to break down the denial um, that I was living in. So I'm so grateful that uh, my higher power did prompt me to keep coming back and keep trying and uh, finally, um, finally, I got, I was able, with the help of this fellowship and the steps, to crack through um, my resistance, and I'm so grateful today. Thank you. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? This is Janice. Hi, Janice. Go ahead. Good morning. How you? Okay. Okay, good morning. Good morning to you, Kathy, um, and everyone. This, my name is Janice M., and I am a, reco- a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, some of you are thinking. Now, how do they know that? How do they know that we're, that what we think? Well, <laughs> they went through the same thing. See, this book is all about experience. So that's how they know. And, you know, boy, when I came into this program, I mean, like others, I sat there, and some of the things applied to me, and some of the things didn't. But what did I focus on? Self-righteous Janice. Um, uh, I, I focused on the things that didn't apply to me, because that was my self-righteous comparisons. I didn't identify, you know, I just focused on, well, she's diabetic. No wonder she doesn't have sugar. You know, that's what if I was a diabetic, I wouldn't either. You know, always comparing, always, you know, comparing myself different out of it because I didn't want to be a compulsive overeater. But guess what? I became a diabetic, you know, not yet, but I did. 
So, you know, are you 100 pounds? Oh, they're 100 pounds. If I, would, if I got 100 pounds, I wouldn't, I would, oh, no, I got over 100 pounds too. So you see, um, and I thought the knowledge, I thought, geez, I read this, I read this, I, I went to a lot of meetings. Mom, that's what it is, knowledge. Now that I know what to do, you know, I'll do it. I'll do it on my own. You know, always deceiving myself, self-deception, quite arrogant, uh, that was me. And what did I do? I compared myself right out of the room and like others, in and out, in and out. See, I was just a little compulsive overeater. I wasn't fully a compulsive overeater. And we know in this group that the big book teaches us you are or you're not. You're not a little pregnant. You're not a little compulsive overeater. But that's what I thought. I just had some of the stuff. And, you know, I didn't lose everything. You know, I still had, you know, my home and my husband. Was my life manageable? Well, I thought it was, but it wasn't. You know, it's that self-deception. So I did. I said, well, you know what? I know someday, somehow, I'm going to go out there and find the answer. And, uh, of course, you know, when you, when you because I am a compulsive overeater, um, it only got worse and worse and worse until I gave up and said, I'm powerless. And with that, I passed. Thanks. Thank you, Janice. Hiya. Hiya, it's your turn. Press star one to unmute. Okay, let's move on. Is there anyone else who wants to share on this? Yes, Holly. Oh, Holly, I must have heard your name wrong. Go ahead, Holly. Okay, thank you. I'm Holly, and I'm a recovering compulsive overeater. I definitely am the jaywalker. <laughs> I definitely, um, you know, flew into a meeting here and there over the last 30 years picked up all the knowledge that I believed I needed, all of that information, and, and said, thank you. You know, now I got this. Now I got this. I know how to close my fists and rush my way through lunch so that I don't overeat. I know how to hold my breath under the water, like I hear said so many times. I got this. I'm not as bad as him, her, or them. And I am, you know, because it doesn't matter um, it doesn't matter how much or how often. What matters is I continuously lost control over the rate and frequency of my binge. I could go a couple of years all on my own and then say, oh, well, I got this. Okay, so I should be able to go out and, and just have that once a month. No, I can't. I have a body allergy to certain foods, and, and that's that. So... Um, it's humbling to admit that I was one of those people who said, I got this. Thanks for the information. Um, I had some of the symptoms, but I hadn't gone to the extremes. They did. So I constantly compared. But, you know, deep down inside, I knew, I knew that I was allergic to these foods. I knew it. I just could not accept it. And for this morning meeting, I am so very grateful for Thank you all for service, and I'll pass. Thank you, Holly. Is there anyone else who would like to share on this paragraph? It's Leah. Go ahead, Leah. Thank you so much. 
Kathy Kay for your service this morning. Good morning, everybody. My name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. We admit we have some of these symptoms, but we have not gone to the extremes you fellows did, nor are we likely to, for we understand ourselves so well after what you have told us that such things cannot happen again. Well, I mean, certainly this disease uh, beat me to pulp, and, uh, you know, I came into the rooms in 1982. Um, I was 19 at the time, and uh, experiencing a good deal of pain, (laughs) Um, a great deal of pain, however, I was not finished yet. You know, I knew I was a compulsive overeater. I had heard that terminology. I had been sitting on a variety of, uh, quote-unquote, experts' couches for quite a while already, Uh, but I didn't know what I was up against. I didn't understand the depths to which this disease was going to take me. I certainly didn't uh, he wasn't able to foresee how hot hell was going to get for, for me. I did not see that writing on the wall. Um, and, and all that I learned about my illness, you know, over the years from 82 to 87, uh, my own understanding and awareness of eating disorders and, um, you know, all the information that I had gained uh, never stopped me from compulsive overeating. <laughs> it never stopped me from compulsive overeating. So this disease was going to get much worse and uh, progress much further uh, down the road um, for me. That was true. And in my work with compulsive overeaters over these 27 years, um, you know, oftentimes they have not had um, the consequences or the um, the manifestation of the disease um, similar to me, um, meaning they haven't had the frequency that I had. They haven't had the intensity that I had. They didn't have the duration of the binges that I had. But that does not matter because that does not make a compulsive overeater. What makes a compulsive overeater is an allergy of the body, obsession of the mind, no matter... Um, you know, no matter its severity, um, you know, the compulsive overeater or addicts in general, I mean, we justify our departure rather than identify in. You know, if you have any experience with allergy of the body, check that off. Phenomenon of craving, check it off. Obsession of the mind, you know, that once you wish to stop, you can't stay stopped. Check it off, no matter its severity. It does not have to express itself uh, like like mine did or like someone else's did. You know, for the alcoholic, when they drink, they lose control. For the alcoholic, when they don't drink, they lose control. And I relate to that. You know, when I ate my binge foods, I certainly lost control. That's the phenomenon of craving. But when I didn't eat my binge foods, when I was separated from my binge foods, um, I lost control. I was cornered. You know, I was absolutely cornered, Um, but certainly addiction and working with compulsive overeaters over these years uh, really has illustrated to me um, that this is the only disease known to man where the sufferer has no enthusiasm for recovery. (laughs) I mean, given the opportunity, we have the opportunity here to arrest our illness, have a whole new life. Um, Oftentimes a compulsive overeater will say, you know what, I'm going to give it some thought. 
you know, I think I'll think about that because perhaps I'm not as bad as others that I've heard on the line. You know, so it, it, no wonder this big book says that our disease is cunning, baffling, and powerful. Because compulsive overeaters, real compulsive overeaters of my type, against all evidence, against their own personal history, will persist in saying, I'm really not like that. Therefore, I don't have to do the things that are spoken about or read about from this text. You know, for someone like me, I saw that I had to reconsider or die. You know, and I and eventually, but it wasn't any intellectual decision. You know, it was a decision that was manifested out of pain. <laughs> pain was the greatest motivator uh, for someone like me. You know, once that intellect uh, was fired as my guide, it could be replaced by a different guide, and that is submission to God. Because only when my ego and my intellect could be dethroned, then God could rule my life. And that happened as a result of applying these steps. But it all began with surrender. It all began with throwing in the towel and admitting who and what I was. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. Anyone else want to share on this paragraph before we move on? Hi, it's Leanne. Go ahead, Leanne. This is Sarah. Hi. Yes. Yeah. Okay, one second, Leanne. Sarah, you'll be after Leanne. Thank you. Hi, it's Leanne. I'm recovered for today, and I'm um, thinking about um, the kind of personality Jay Walker has. And I'm up north right now visiting with my family, and it, it brings back so many things that... Um, I observed as a kid growing up here, noticing the kind of personality somebody has, um, like my brother and my mother. Um, I seem to, like, the personality I've been given is one with the right mix of, like, having no sense and um, having this um, this tendency to take a lot of risks and... Um, the tendency to always want to have relief and, and like just exaggerated instincts. And it's interesting to see people who weren't born with that type of personality. Um, they they seem to have a good head on their shoulders and they don't go to these extremes that I do. But it also makes me see that God, you know, graced me with this kind of personality, just like the jaywalker, because it's um, a means to which I'm going to get to know him better I have I have the choice today to live with a good head on my shoulders and I have a choice to live with good sense you know through the through the process of working the steps through the process of all these things that were laid out to to get to him and yeah I have to do a heck of a lot more work to have a good head on my shoulders than somebody like my brother or my mother who seemed to have been born that way but I also have a lot stronger hunger for him and I have a lot more opportunity to um to help others and to see like we like through this program I got to learn so many things about the inner workings of my mind and my spirit and I've I've been forced to learn how to live in the spirit and how to find God and all of these things it's like really it's kind of a blessing to have the Jay Walker personality because it just has brought me to God. It's brought me to my knees first and then to God. And and um, 
not that I'm comparing, but I'm just observing that others who don't have this type of personality, um, not everybody, but they don't seem to have that drive and that hunger to find God as much as I've seen in myself. So in a way, it really is a blessing that I'm forced to live the way the steps say, and um, I'm forced to clean up any kind of dishonesty that happens, you know, that, I, that I'm aware of. And because my instincts are so highly sensitive and all of that, it, um, I get uncomfortable quick. I get uncomfortable all the time. And each time is an opportunity to grow more toward God. And I don't know, that's what this is all bringing up to me, you know, to see somebody what seems so senseless and just really bad head on their shoulders. I always thought that of myself. I always thought, man, I was such a crummy head. I don't have good sense. I... You know, I just was born with this bad head on my shoulders and, you know, my head's a bad neighborhood to be in alone and all of those things. And I would be so, you know, man, what a, why can't I just think like my brother or my logical mother? And, uh, but that's why. Maybe, you know, God gave, gave, God gives me, you know, we all have a different paths and my path to him has been this. And it's turning out little by little, day by day to be a real blessing. Thanks for letting me share. Thank Pat. you, Leanne. And Sarah. Good morning. This is Sarah from Iowa. May I share? Yes, go ahead, Sarah. Okay, thank you for your service, Kathy. And, and good morning to everybody on the line. I'd like to welcome all the newcomers. Glad you're here. Um, you know, as far as this paragraph, I was thinking to myself, I heard from a sponsor I had a long time ago, to compare is to despair. And, you know, when I'm in the disease, I'm comparing everything. You know, I'm comparing how I look, you know, how I think, how I feel. And when I'm in recovery, you know, I'm able to accept where people are at. And this is part of the, the, the illness, you know, that, you know, I'm saying, well, I'm not quite like you. You know, I'm not able to identify and I'm not able to connect with with other people. I'm not able to say, you know, to humble myself enough to say, you know, I need the help. I'm not able to do this alone because that's a that's a, you know, that's a weakness. That's that's a lack of strength. And and who am I then? Am I a nothing because I need help? You know, but that is the greatest gift of all when I finally say, you know what? I really do need help. I really do have these problems. You know, I have to concede to my innermost self. And I was thinking about it so much last night. It was like I woke up with this this idea in my head that, that the physical allergy and the obsession of the mind, you know, we have to fully concede to our innermost selves if we're going to really take a first step that we are a real compulsive overeater. I mean, this has driven home this idea for the last four chapters, you know, the, the last three chapters have been talking about this. And I have to go back to the idea that, you know, I am powerless. I am completely powerless. You know, for me, I always say not just food because food is but a symptom. You know, I'm powerless over people, places, and things, and even of my own mind. You know, and I have to ask God all throughout the day to help me with these things. So, yes, maybe I haven't lost everything. And I think the great deception is that, you know, the food is not like the alcohol, that it doesn't make skid row drunks out of us. But if we really think about it and think about what life we have in the midst of our binging and compulsive eating, we do not have a life. 
we are so driven by the food that we don't care about other people. We don't care about ourselves. We're totally isolated in the world. What is that life? That's not what I want. What a beautiful thing that we were able to have this today. I mean, this hasn't even been around for 100 years, and we are so blessed to have it. And thank you all for being here for me, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Sarah. And uh, why don't we move on now? Helena, will you read the next paragraph for us? Good morning. This is Helena. That may be true of certain non-alcoholic people who, though drinking foolishly and heavily at the present time, are able to stop or moderate because their brains and bodies have not been damaged as ours were. But the actual or potential alcoholic, with hardly an exception, will be absolutely unable to stop drinking on the basis of self-knowledge. This is a point we wish to emphasize and re-emphasize, to smash home upon our alcoholic readers as it has been revealed to us out of bitter experience. Let us take another illustration. Um, what I find quite impressive is that this paragraph is divided up into two sections. One is to say that there actually are people who, though drinking foolishly and heavily at the present time, are able to stop or moderate. These are not actual alcoholics. I have met these people in my life. I have seen people that I was convinced were compulsive overeaters. And the big book is very wise when it says we do not like to pronounce anyone an alcoholic, but you can easily diagnose yourself. There are people I know who have gotten a medical diagnosis and have stopped eating compulsively, have lost weight, and have done this for many years and are continuing on with their lives to my amazement. There are people I have met in program who have come in and have left program and have not resumed compulsive overeating and have maintained a body weight. Although they were drinking, you know, eating foolishly and heavily, they were very overweight. Some of them, and there are those people, and it is not up to us to diagnose anyone except ourselves. However, here in the italicized writing, it says, if you are an actual or potential compulsive overeater, alcoholic, you will be absolutely unable to stop drinking on the basis of self-knowledge. And um, this point obviously is so important. That's why it's in italics and that's why it says we want to smash this home upon our alcoholic readers as it has been revealed to us out of bitter experience. The words used here are very strong and here it is for us. Just as it says in More Bad Alcoholism in the beginning, it said, um, you can step into the kitchen and diagnose yourself. We're not going to diagnose you. But here it is. If you are an alcoholic, if you are, if you've passed the point of no return, you will not be able to stop on any basis other than a spiritual basis. Pass now. Thank you, Helena. Who would like to share on this paragraph? Larry Lauren S. from Pittsburgh. Oh. Okay, let me see. Anna. Here. I heard Larry, Lauren S. from Pittsburgh. Who else? Kim. Paula. Kim. Anna H. Paula and Anna H. Okay, let's start with those. So it's Larry, Lauren S., Kim, Paula, and Anna H. Go ahead, Larry. Good morning. Uh, good morning, Kathy. Thank you for your service. This is Larry, um, recovered compulsive overeater from Chicago. 
playing around. Okay, so um, I'm hearing a little bit of feedback. I don't know if that's my phone. Do you hear that, Kathy, or no? I'm not sure if my phone is. Well, no, let me I go. don't. Well, okay, yeah. good. Yeah, okay. Good, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, you know, I'm going to focus in on, on the self-knowledge aspect of this, you know, that, you know, we'd be absolutely unable to stop drinking on the basis of self-knowledge. And, you know, understand, you know, self-knowledge is really just this, this concept of, of understanding oneself. I mean, one's own motives, my, you know, my character, you know, all the, the, you know, my capabilities, my feelings, my motivations, all these things. And, you know, my personal experience is that self-knowledge is a great thing. It's really a great thing. I mean, I spent years in therapy. I spent years learning all about myself. You know, but for me, what I know today is the self that I was, you know, I was attempting to, to, to through introspection and, and, you know, uh, to learn more about was a spiritually sick self, a delusional self, you know, absolutely incapable of, of, of extricating myself from this, you know, the prison of my, my own addiction. And that's why we, we need to smash this home. I mean, of course, of course I was absolutely unable to stop eating on the basis of just like obtaining this data about myself. Self-knowledge, I know today, alone could never contain my disease. There was no way. You know, I, I, I learned I had an allergy of the body, okay, and an obsession of the mind. I mean, it was, I couldn't contain this disease no more, no more so than, you know, it's like knowing that you, you have fair skin will keep you from getting sunburn at the beach. I mean, that, that self-knowledge is not going to keep you from getting sunburned at the beach. You, you, need, you need to do something. You need to take some action. And, and I could not differentiate the true from the false. That was the obsession for me. My life as a compulsive overeater seemed actually normal. It seemed like a, a normal thing for me at some point. I had a disease that corrupted my thinking. And, you know, sort of triggered this cycle of destruction again and again and again. And, you know, the amazing thing for me is this, I'll just call it this cancer of the mind, was 100% treatable, but I didn't know it. So, like, you know, like out-of-control cancer cells, my very thinking needed a very aggressive treatment, very aggressive, before I would inevitably destroy myself. That's what I was doing. And so it wasn't so much a question of getting it, okay, getting this program, you know, like fully understanding this 12-step treatment to my, to my cancer of the mind. It was really, for me, a question of me seeking the place where my disease trumps the medicine that I have to take. And until the disease trumped the medicine, you know, what was I, I wouldn't do it. Was I willing to take my medicine? You know, the 12 steps leading to a certain outcome. That's what I know today. It was a certain outcome. It, it was a spiritual awakening sufficient to arrest this disease. I don't struggle anymore. I mean, can you imagine? I couldn't. I had to trust in the process. Was I going to be courageous enough to quit BSing myself and do the work to let God flow in? Or might I take door number two? You know, they're like, like Leah says and others say, there is no door number three. I love that. There's, I'm either taking a step towards, um, towards this recovered state, 
from this practical program of action or I'm taking a step towards disease. There's no middle ground or, or third pathway. You know, I accepted this plan outlined in the book. And that, you know, I mean, how I, I moved from, God helped me to move from a, a self-guided consciousness to a spirit-guided consciousness. And, for, and where I'll wrap up is for me, what I most emphatically, you know, believe that was holding me back from receiving this gift, you know, this being recovered state that is, you know, that God did for me was, was that my previous conception of God wasn't working. It wasn't big enough. So I could work the steps all day long. And if my conception of God was, say, a punishing kind of just God, you know, if it was a just God, I wouldn't be on the phone right now. Thank goodness it was a merciful God that I could have a personal relationship with. That's why I'm recovered today. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Larry. And Lauren S. Thank you. Lauren S., a recovered compulsive reader from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Okay. Um, so... Oh my gosh. Step one that we are we've been trudging along for the past sixty pages. This is what it means to be in step one, guys. <laughs> to be going through each paragraph battering down the words, repeating to smack to smash home someone like me. For me, this is why step one took me four weeks because I needed to be smashed home. Do I believe I could stay stopped on the basis of self-knowledge today? Today, I think, is like, I don't know, I've been absent, recovered. Um, I have been recovered for a couple months, but I've been abstinent for like a year and a half. I mean, today, a year and a half later, do I believe I can stay stopped? on self-knowledge oh my gosh and you know what now I'm going through my third step one in the book workshop and I'm on step one I'm just on I'm starting step two now and it's like my foundation of cement has to be solid without any cracks and that includes Lauren can't have a crack in your cement even today recovered and abstinent whatever that you can stay stopped on self-knowledge today like where is god today in my life oh my good gracious what are my bedevilments today you know oh my gosh so oh my gosh yeah i'm an addict i need to be smashed and beaten with a hammer lauren you cannot do this on your own. You have no knowledge or power to save you. Oh, okay. With that, I will pass. Thank you, Lauren. Kim, it's your turn. This would be Paula, recovered compulsive overeater. Can you hear me? Okay. I thought Kim was next. Is Kim there? Okay, Paula, go ahead. I must have it wrong. 
Okay, there we go. I'm fine. Either way, I am Paula, Recovered Compulsive Reader. Now, as we came into this paragraph, we see the mock difference. And I'm going to just look at this word. At the present time, are able to stop, to stop or moderate, because their brains and bodies have not been damaged. Okay. And then we go down to the next paragraph and the different person, the addict. Now, absolutely unable to stop drinking. You know, if I'm driving along and I'm coming into a busy intersection, the same person sees the stop sign or the red light. The same person stops. The insane person doesn't. But you say that's dangerous. They may not make it. Will that stop them? No. No. And it says here, they will be absolutely unable to stop drinking on the basis of self-knowledge. You know, here we can come alongside Bill. And what does he say on page seven? Surely this was the answer. (laughs) Self-knowledge. Got it now. But then we see the big but. B-U-T. It was not. For the frightful day came when I drank once more. Because he is as I was. So far damaged. My want was wrong. It was I want to have a drink. Even though I knew it would take me where it did. You know, I came for, as it says on the top of the page, thanks for the information. That's what I came for. But it wasn't information I needed. With the twisted brain that went in the same direction. Knowing full well the danger. But not this time, that's what I would say. I needed the transformation on 567. And then it came again, and I'm going to read this. This is a point. Ooh, point is pretty pointing. Pretty sharp there, Missy. To emphasize. Oh, wait. Once is once enough. And re-emphasize. To smash home. Home is where the heart is. Be clear here. Upon our alcoholic readers, as it has been revealed to us out of bitter experience. Henry Ford says, use the bitter experience. Thank you for allowing me to share. And with that, I do pass. Kathy, it's Kim. I couldn't unmute before. Can I share now? Uh, okay. Anna H. Thank you, Paula. Anna Good morning. Good morning. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Hi. I just wanted to um, chime in and say I'm really grateful to be here. Um, I'm grateful to start my day with you guys. Um, yeah, I'm Anna H. I'm a compulsive reader. I'm recovered one day at a time in this disease. And um, self-knowledge. So at some point in this disease, um, Habit became obs- or, uh, habit became obsession for me, and there was nothing that I could know or no amount of anything that I could read or talk about or hear that was going to change that um and it talks about people who could drink and drink in excess and then stop um 
And at some point in my life, maybe I could have done that. But for me, I have this gene or I have this switch or whatever I had um, that it made it a ha like the habit became an obsession for me. And now that it's obsession, it's obsession of the mind. And then it's that physical addiction and allergy in the body. Um, and I will say that that piece of self-knowledge I'm very grateful for because it brought me to this program. Um, and it brought me to this solution. But um, beyond that, it's up to me every day to surrender and to really connect to my higher power um, and to connect with these steps and to work these principles in all of my affairs. And, um, you know, just like um, we were reading before about the jaywalker, um, yeah, I'm definitely that person. I saw it clear as day, but if you had told me before, I would say, that sounds insane. Are you kidding me? Someone who walks out in front of cars and has no regard for their own life. But I was with food. Um, I was killing myself slowly. I come from a background where suicide would never be an option, but I anesthetized myself with food. I ate so much that I would fall asleep and pass out because I didn't want to be in life. And that is, that is killing myself slowly. Um, and so I just want to put it out there today that this solution, um, these steps for me have saved my life and saved me from, you know, self-knowledge is, it can be a tool, but it does not, it does not fight this disease for me. It can give me information such as I know for me, I'm very allergic to sugar. That's great to know, but that doesn't help me stay stopped. What helps me stay stopped are these steps and my connection with higher power. And um, really for me, it's connection with higher power and the steps built on that. It's got to be all worked together for me. And I have to submit to that and surrender to that today. And I love to look at it as, you know, if how is honesty, openness, and willingness, then why for me today? Like, why do I have to do this? Why, why, why all of the self-knowledge questions are wreaking havoc on yourself? Because in my mind, that's how it works. Um, and today I'm so desperate and so grateful, and I love the life that I have. Anna, we lost you. Are you still there? I am. Sorry. Can you hear me? Yes. Oh, sorry. Um, sorry about that. Yeah, just in closing, that it became something that, um, you know, <laughs> working these steps and higher power became something that I prayed for the willingness to do, and then after time, now I want to do it every day because I love the life that I have, and I love who I am, and I love to be. I love that I get to be of service and usefulness today. So thank you. I'll pass. Thank you, Anna. Um, so I want to check. Did I miss Kim? Kim, did you want to share? Thanks, Kathy. Yeah, I couldn't unmute the first time. I apologize. Okay. Um, good morning. Good morning, all. My name is Tim Jay, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. And I just want to smash this home, too, because this is really essential. We spend a lot of time in There's a Solution differentiating between 
the moderate eater, the heavy eater, and the true compulsive overeater. You know, so the non-compulsive overeater who may drink foolishly and heavily at the present time, but may, may be able to stop or moderate. You know, if, if, as Leah was talking in the beginning, if we just judged compulsive overeating by consequences only, that I would qualify as an alcoholic because in my 20s I can match a lot of alcoholics story for story. However, an adequate reason happened in my late 20s and I made a decision not to drink again. And that decision was made when I drunk, drove drunk down the wrong way down a highway and almost killed me and my friend. Now, if I had gotten caught, if I had gotten caught and had to go to... Um, you know, court for DUI and was sent to Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, I could have gotten sober on that decision. I could have not drank and go to meetings. And I would have been in Alcoholics Anonymous as a hard drinker because years later I decided to have a beer and I had a beer and I'm like, I don't like this beer because I don't have the allergy to body. I drank in my 20s as a social lubricant. And when I didn't need that social lubricant anymore, I stopped. And I didn't even moderate because I didn't even want to drink anymore. So if we have people in Overeaters Anonymous who are like that, we have people who come in and as an alternative to the conventional diet programs come in and they can simply go to meetings. They can simply do tools and they can get abstinent when we hand them the food plan and they can be abstinent and happy. But they are not compulsive overeaters. So it's saying here but the potential or actual potential alcoholic but hardly an exception will be absolutely unable to stop drinking on the basis of self-knowledge. So if you can get sober, if you can get abstinent in Overeaters Anonymous and not have to work a step, my contention is you probably are not a compulsive overeater because if you can get sober and abstinent on a non-spiritual solution, then you don't have the obsession of the mind because that's the obsession of the mind can only be relieved through the 12 steps. And the reason I want to say this, the reason I want to smash this home, for those people who are on the line who are true compulsive overeaters, who no matter how much of the desire to stop is there, but because you have this allergy to the body, which means you can never have those foods without triggering the allergy, and if you have the obsession of the mind, which can only be dispelled by a power greater yourself, and getting access to that power is by using the 12 steps. If you have someone that is sponsoring you that can be happy and absent on tools only, please find another sponsor. Find another sponsor because a non-compulsive overeater sponsoring a compulsive overeater using their dieting techniques could kill someone. And no one is trying to hurt me. No one when I was being sponsored by people who were simply telling me, go to meetings and do these tools and you will be okay, ever wanted to hurt me. But I have to tell you, I was dying from that advice. I was dying from that advice. So if you are the real alcoholic, let me smash home to you that the only chance you have to be abstinent and happy, because I was abstinent for years, and I was miserable and scared and terrified and an absolute mess. If you want to get abstinent and happy and you are a true compulsive overeater, you're going to need to find a spiritual solution through these 12 steps. So my, I implore you to find a sponsor who can lead you through the steps and not have a sponsor who is going to give you dieting techniques because they themselves are not a compulsive overeater and they can do that. 
Thank you very much. And that was that I pass. Thank you, Kim. Okay, it's now time to close the meeting. I want to thank everyone who shared. Um, we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164 and then say the serenity prayer. Michelle H., could you please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Yes, Michelle H., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Missouri. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Pass.